Hallelujah, Jesus, we worship you today. We honor you, Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated at this time. The Lord is so good. Amen. So good, so good to see all of your faces today in the house of the Lord. I know that um, things are you know, COVID is still in, in place, and but Jesus is still king, right? The church is still the church, and uh, church is not canceled. <laughs> Amen. No matter what, even if the doors close, church is still not canceled. We are the church, and so we need to continue to worship the Lord. And part of this lesson, we're on part two of rebuilding what you lost, is about rebuilding those altars, the temple of the Lord. And the word of God says that we are, we are the temple of the Lord. So this temple, this body of mine is not closed. I still have to worship the Lord. He is our creator. He is our king. And he is due all the praise. He is due all the glory. I'm so thankful that he created me and that he created me with a purpose. He doesn't want me to be lost. He doesn't want me to be in ruins. He wants us to be built up in him, grounded, rooted in him. Amen. So like I said, we are continuing this lesson series. It's called Rebuilding What You Lost. And last week, we began by saying that it is imperative that we build altars unto the Lord as Christians. Not last week. I'm sorry. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, last week, Brother James Rosa preached. <laughs> I'm sorry about that, Brother James. Um, and altar building is something that all the Bible patriarchs did as a sign or covenant between them and God to forsake all other gods and follow after the one true living God, Jehovah, which we know his name today as Jesus. Altar building is still something that we do today. Instead of building physical altars with stones and wood, we present our bodies unto the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, right, unto God, which is our reasonable service. And that's in Romans 12, verse 1. And we also mentioned 10, John 10.10, 10, which says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come, this is Jesus saying, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The enemy's tactics are to steal what God has given you his tactic is to steal your freedom, to steal your joy, to steal your victory. And then he kills all desires to follow God. He kills that desire that God has placed in you to follow after him. And once he does that, then he goes in for the kill and he numbs you to the presence of God. All sense of feeling is gone. Nothing, not even you know, an inkling, anything that you could feel the presence of God. He numbs you to his presence, to, to his convicting power over your life. 
um, or the Holy Spirit, and that is that is trying to call you back into righteousness. We also mentioned that it is vital for us to crucify ourselves daily on the altar of repentance. We must sacrifice our will and our flesh. And, you know, one of the things that we mentioned last time was that we often ask the Lord to consume us with his spirit. But the moment he starts the process of removing sin from our life, we immediately ask God to take us off from the altar. Okay, Lord, I'm I'm feeling a little bit too much heat. Take me out. I don't like what I'm feeling because self is being removed. That, that will, that carnal flesh, that mentality is being removed. So we immediately start asking the Lord to remove us from that altar. But what we had mentioned is that what we need to do instead is say, no, I'm going to get on that altar. I'm going to stay there. And if you need leadership, if you need an accountability partner, someone that's going to hold you accountable and say, Are you doing what is right before the Lord? Are you going before the Lord every day, praying, asking the Lord to hold you accountable, to cleanse you, to forgive you of your sins, to wash you? What are you doing on a daily basis to live a righteous life, to live a holy life before God? And so we we tie ourselves to that altar. We make a conscious effort in our hearts and in our minds every day to say, Lord, Here I am. You see my faults. You see my secret sins, as was read before church service. You see it. Cleanse me today and help me to do what you want me to do for this day. And that's how we do this. We we put ourselves on that altar and we say, Lord, here we are. Consume us by with your fire, with your spirit, and have your will in my life every day. Amen. In Zechariah 3, verses 1 through 6. Then the angel showed me Jeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Jeshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. Jeshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. So the angel said to the others standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Jeshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins, and now I am giving you these fine new clothes. Then I said, they should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head and dressed him in new clothes, while the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to Jeshua and said, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards, and I will let you walk among these others standing here. And we talked about the reason we gave a a backstory. Does anybody remember that backstory? They were coming back. They were in the land of promise once again. They had been exiled. They were under, um, I believe, it was at, a, at, a, at Xerxes. I think it was at the time. 
um, Xerxes that was ruling at the time, and he had allowed them to come back to Israel, to Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple of the Lord. He said, I'm going to give you all the money that you need to rebuild the house of the Lord. Go right ahead and do it. Um, but in the process of them coming back from exile, they did something that they weren't supposed to do, and that was marry the people from their surrounding nations. Why? Because they believed and followed after pagan gods, and they were incorporating that into their worship, into their home. When you do that, you bring that into your home. You're bringing the world in, and the Lord said, no, I am your God. You're not going to bring other false gods around me. He is a jealous God. He is jealous for you and me. He wants our attention. He doesn't want to share it with anybody else or with anything else. And so what the children of Israel did was bring, um, they married, they intermarried. And then the children, the wives and the children only spoke their language, but even the children didn't even speak the Hebrew language. They didn't know who Jehovah God was. And so here is Jeshua, the high priest, and he's in the midst of all of this. Probably he himself had taken wife and was asked, you need to put your wife away and your children. Isn't that insane? Again, to be separated from that. And it may seem harsh, but it was separation, if we think about it in the spiritual separating yourself from the world, detaching yourself from the things of the world. And now here he is. He's trying to do what is right. He is the high priest, and Satan, the accuser of the brethren, is standing at his right side saying, look at what he's done. Look at his past. Look at his present, and he's going to continue to do X, you know, X, Y, Z. He's just doing what he knows best. Satan likes to accuse us. And even of things that we haven't done. He is a father of lies. He's a liar and the father of lies. And all he does is accuse us before the Lord. And while he's accusing Jeshua the high priest, the Lord rebuked Satan and said, leave him alone. He snatched him. He is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. And now the Lord said, you know what? I am your advocate. I am the one who's going to speak on your behalf. And while I'm at it, change his clothes. Give him a new outfit. Give him new priestly robes. You know that you and I are royal priesthood. We are a royal priesthood. We are a peculiar people. We are chosen by the Lord. And those robes, that is our wardrobe, our war, W-A-R, okay? Fighting. That's how we fight our battles, by coming before the Lord, by coming before the King of Kings. We, we plead. We ask. We pray. We say, Lord, let your will be done. And so we, we are cleansed by the king of kings, we are, we are cleansed by our advocate. And he changes our garments and he gives us new ones. And while, while we're at it, 
Here's Zechariah. says, well, you're at it. Why don't you put that turban on his head? Because your war clothes on, they, they're not complete if you're not covered, right? With the helmet of salvation. You must be dressed from head to toe. And it keeps the fiery darts from the enemy away. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that the Lord cares enough about us? He's not going to leave us, you know, out there to be to come become against by the enemy, but he supplies everything that we need. And so we are rebuilding what is lost in our lives. And then the angel of the Lord spoke the words of the Lord to Jeshua and said, if you follow my ways carefully, if you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over the temple and its courtyards. Do what is right before me, and I will give you authority, because authority, power flows from authority. And if we are under his authority, then it's going to flow through us. Lord, let your will be done in my life when that is my 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 prayer. When that is my prayer, when I submit myself to the will of God, then his authority is flowing through me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And I will let you walk among those others that are standing here. When we sacrifice our will and our desires, back in our notes, God rescues us from the accusations of the devil. He cleanses us and he gives us authority and power. Just because we fell in sin does not mean you are used goods or that you are worthless. If you want restoration, God is willing and he is the just judge to make you holy again. He wants to rebuild in you what you lost, that which was lost in you. Proverbs 24, verse 16, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. We will fall. That's We see it right there, plain as day in Scripture. It's not that if we it's when a just man falls, falls seven times, but what makes him just is that he gets back up. He gets back up. You keep getting back up. You keep receiving the grace of God. And we need to, we need to get that in our heads. We need to live in the grace. When we are rebuilding what was lost, we can't live in shame. We have to live in grace because grace covers it. Mercy. Isn't that beautiful? Psalm 23, I believe is verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It doesn't matter where you have been, how many times you've fallen, his grace and his mercy are picking up right after. They're saying, you know what? I'm covering that fall. Goodness and mercy is following me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. Because you're a just man. You're a just woman. You're following after God. And because you're following him, 
goodness and mercy are following you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Even though we don't deserve the grace of God, he imputes righteousness to us. He says, you know what? I'm going to cause you to be worthy. I'm going to cause you to be worthy. That's what it means to impute. You may not deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. So we need to live in grace instead of shame. We must lay aside the condemnation that tries to keep us down and build ourselves up in our most holy faith. Jude verses 1, I mean chapter 1, verses 20 through 23 in the New Living. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And I'm sorry. And await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. And I believe in the King James says that stains their clothes. So God gives us mercy. We, we need to make sure that we are building each other up, that we're building ourselves up in our most holy faith. And it says in Scripture, by doing what? Praying in the power of the Holy Spirit. I need to make sure that I'm building myself up by speaking in tongues, by letting the Holy Ghost pray through me. That's what renews me in the power. There is power when you pray in the Holy Spirit. I need to build myself up. I cannot have this pity party. I need to get myself out of that. If I want to rebuild those things which I have lost and let God rebuild me, then I need to build myself up in my, in my most holy faith. Okay, what faith is that? The foundation that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he loved me, he gave himself for me, that he gave me that grace and that mercy. So I'm going to pray in the power of the Holy Ghost and then await for his mercy to come. I'm just going to wait there. I'm going to wait until I know that his mercy has been imparted unto me. Thank you, Jesus, who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. Know it. Know it. Stay there. Stay in God's love. Stay in God's love. Don't let anyone move you shake you. The Bible actually says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. It is you that have to separate yourself from the love of God because no one else can do it. Nothing. No powers in heaven, nor on things in earth, nor under the earth. The only one that can separate you from the love of God is you. So stay there. Keep yourselves safe in God's love. And then you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. We've, we waver sometimes. It happens to all of us. A trial comes, a tribulation comes, 
and is the testing of our faith. The testing of our faith. Okay. Do you really believe now that it's getting hard, now that you're in the altar, that you're in the fire, I'm testing your faith, I'm testing it. So what do I do? Oh, Jesus, show mercy to those people because they're probably have some fear that they're not going to make it. So show mercy. Show mercy to them and say, you know what? I'm going to build you up. You, you can make it. You can do this. We're in this together. We are the body of Christ. You're not alone. I'm just going to join myself with you, and I'm going to be holding you up. And we're going to be holding each other up because we are going to make it together. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Isn't that what happened with Jeshua? The Lord snatched him, said, nope, you're not going to be judged. You're not going to be judged. You're not gonna, I'm not going to allow the enemy to continue to accuse you. I'm going to cleanse you. I'm going to sanctify you. I have made you right before my eyes. Show mercy to still others, to quiet them down, to keep them in place, to keep them in the church, to keep them a part of the body, but do so with great caution. Why? Because there are things, there are sins that are attached to their lives, and we don't want to say, oh, it's okay what you're doing, but we've got to love them. We've got to love them. We've got to love them. Show mercy to others. It doesn't say be mean, be rude, tell them off. It says show mercy, but you be careful that you're not enticed by, by what is contaminating their lives. Amen. So again, here in the notes, God gives us forgiveness freely and quickly, but it's going to be hard work to build back those things that were lost. This is why we need to build ourselves up in this faith that we believe, the foundation. We cannot just have a strong foundation. We must also build walls, columns, a roof, windows, the things, insulation. You can't just live on the foundation itself. I mean, our church would look, pre would look pretty bad, right, if it was just here, just a foundation. Where, where are you going to sit if there was no roof? We would all be freezing right now because it's 30 degrees or probably less by now outside if there was no roof if there was no heating units no insulation no comfy chairs for us to sit in tonight we need more than a foundation we need to build ourselves up again we need to build ourselves up and what i keep saying it's hard work because it is you can't this building wasn't just built in a day Pastor, how, how long did it take for this building to be built? I'm sure months. Six months. Six months. And that was hard work. Hard work. It's not going to happen overnight. And that's the physical. We're dealing with spiritual things in our lives that affect the physical in our lives. 
because if we're not right with God, it's going to affect our homes. It's going to affect the way we think, the way that we live, what we say, everything about us. So if we have lost some things along the way and we're trying to rebuild these things, we can't be too harsh on ourselves. We need to work hard. Don't get me wrong. We need to work hard at rebuilding, but it's going to take time. It's going to take time, and we just got to continue to work. We got to continue to work. We can't give up. We can't give up. And the last time we, we talked about this, we laid the foundation of Ezra um, and how they were building the temple of the Lord. So from the beginning of the rebuilding of God's temple and finishing the work, it took 19 to 20 years. That's a long time. 19 to 20 years. This building took six months. Theirs took 19 to 20 years. Why? Because opposition kept on coming, if you remember. Opposition from all of the neighboring nations. They didn't want them to build the temple. They even sent letters to the king saying, you know, they're trying to build the temple to come against you. They're trying to ask their God for help so they can come against you. And they had to say, no, the devil is a liar. <laughs> you know, it's just not today. This is not the truth. That's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to build the temple of the Lord to worship and praise our God. But they came with all of this, against all of this opposition from everyone. And the beauty, the beauty in all of this is that, in God is that it doesn't take him 20 years to heal you from past hurts, trials, and mistakes. Yeah, thank you, Brother Brown, if you let him. If you let him, there's a clause right there, if you allow him to. Because it hurts. It hurts to heal. And for you ha who have had surgery of some type, Poor Brother James was, you know, his tooth recently, it hurt to get healed, right? <laughs> Two. <laughs> but you feel better, right? Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Much better than you were on Saturday and Sunday. Bless the Lord. <laughs> yes, Brother James. Yes, I am here in good recovery after two and some stitches. I thank God for the opportunity to be able to get up when it's necessary, and I'm going to explain what I'm trying to say. When we face opposition in life, we tend to want to step back and get into our cave, and it becomes repetitious, and years go by and yet no progress. I've been there. Mm -hmm. I have been there. And I thank God for everyone that's near me. I thank God for everyone who tells me what I need to hear. I thank God for my wife that pushes me. And this is the point that I want to make. 
whether you have a spouse or not, you definitely need an accountability partner. Yes. You need so someone that you trust. Brothers with brothers, sisters with sisters. Amen. You need to have an open dialogue with each other, and you need to have someone to hold you accountable. That's going to push you when it's necessary. That's going to tell you things that you need to hear. That's going to walk alongside you and tell you that everything is going to be okay. Because when you do get into those patterns, that when the opposition gets tough, 10 years can go by. Yeah. And you would have achieved nothing. Right. I look back and I say to myself, wow, how much of a hindrance was I to myself? And if I would have known and had allowed people into my life, like I allow them today, I would have been further. Mm. Amen. But I'm thankful for God's mercy, Brother Rosa, because he kept you and you didn't give up. You, again, a just man falls seven times but he gets back up again. So his mercy covers all of that, and he makes up for those times, for those deficits, those deficits in our lives, he makes up for that. None of us are righteous. Even if we've been raised in the church, I've been raised in the church. I was born, you know, before I was even born, I was in church, okay? I slept under those pews. I was one of those, you know? Um, and even that, I have my faults. I have things that I struggle with. I have sinned. I've come short. I still sin. <laughs> and I have to still come to the Lord and say, I am so sorry I did that, or I'm so sorry I thought that, because he keeps fine-tuning. And the things that were in sin before, and up. Uh, they're sin now. You just keep fine-tuning because I keep coming closer. So thank God for his grace. And we need to make sure that we have accountability in our lives. You're right. Women with women, men with men, like you had mentioned. But we need that in our lives. We build each other up in our most holy faith. That's why he put us in a body. That's why he put us in a body. We can't do this by ourselves. Man, Brother Brown. Yeah, I just wanted to piggyback a little bit on what, uh, what Brother James was talking about and the accountability piece of it. We love to quote the scripture that says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But that's just the last part of that verse. Right. And we, we like to just, you know, take the bits and pieces that sound good. But it says, confess your faults one to another, one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That you may be healed. Yes. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So when you take that scripture in its, con in its entirety, in its entire context, it, it actually is saying that if I will find someone to be accountable to, and if I will be transparent mm -hmm. and make myself vulnerable to a brother or a sister, then I can confess. I can say, Brother James, I'm struggling with this. 
I slipped up last night, or I'm a, I feel like I'm about to slip up, I need you to pray for me because I know there's, there's some healing that needs to take place. And many times we rob ourselves or we cheat ourselves out of our healing because we refuse to be transparent and confess our faults and our hurts and our weaknesses and our temptations and our struggles and our pains and our fears to to those that are in this together with us. And I'm not saying go blab all your business out there for everybody. <laughs> Facebook is not your accountability partner. Amen. Or MeWe or Parler or Twitter or Instagram or whatever 45,000 different social medias we have. There's got to be that confession piece or there's never going to be healing. Right. Many, many, many people never get their healing because they, they stop short. Because they're afraid that if they open up one more time, yeah. and they're just going to get hurt again. Uh-huh. I've been there. Yeah. Vulnerability is risky, but you've got to build relationships of trust. Mm. I'm sorry, I don't mean to take over, but th- right. I feel like this needs to be said. We've got to build some relationships of trust with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we, we've got to do that. And Amen. that means every now and then I'm going to have to take a risk. Yeah. Um, but we've got, we, and, and the, the other thing is I've, I've got to make, I've got to show myself trustworthy. Right. He that would have friends must show himself friendly. If I'm going to have that, those kinds of friendships, then I've got to show myself worthy of that type of friendship. So I've got to be that type of friend. Amen. So I've got to show myself to be a safe place. Right. For people to come to me so that then I can have friends that will be safe places. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. We, we've got to be able to, we've got to be able to do that. Um, the church is supposed to be in communion, in community. All things in common, as it was in the book of Acts. Amen. It wasn't just talking about money and material right. things. They helped one another. Right. They were accountable to one another. Thank you, Jesus. Thank and we've got to be able to do that with Amen. each other. And we're going to find healing when we do that. And then we're going to be able to be a place of healing for others when we do that. Amen. And I'm trying to find the scripture reference right now. I think it's in First John, but I can't quite um, remember. But it talks about how can you say... You love God, but you can't love your brother, who you can see. Not only that you can see, but your brother is the physical representation of Jesus Christ. Why? It's easier to say I love something I or someone I don't see. But because we can see each other in our faults, then we don't let the love of God cover their multitude of sins. We want them to cover our sins, but we're not willing to cover their sins by the blood of Jesus that covered yours. And so 
a just man falls seven times, but he gets back up when he confesses his faults to someone else in the body. And then they pray for one another. You know what? I see your pain. I see the fault, but Jesus covered mine and he can cover yours. Let's pray together so that we may be healed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And now I am made just. I am made just. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, help us, oh God, to be vulnerable one with another. Help us not to be prideful in our hearts, dear Jesus. Lord, help us, oh God. Oh, Jesus. And that's, that's the root of it. And we don't want to see it as, as, as pride. But it is a form of pride when we're not willing to be vulnerable with someone else. Because you're afraid that you're going to be hurt again, as Br Brother Brown said. That fear is there. Again, well, the Bible says that there is no fear in perfect love. But you can't be loved perfectly if you have fear in your heart. And so healing needs to take place. Healing needs to take place. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes you being vulnerable in order for you to be healed. And it means that there's, there's going to be scars. But he is our healer, and he is our restorer. He is our restorer, and we've got to trust him. When we don't open ourselves up, we're, we're not trusting the Lord to be God in our lives. When we're not allowing him to heal us, we are not trusting him in that area. We've got to trust the Lord. I know it's hard. I'm not talking about this because I've never been hurt. I have been hurt many times, many times. And you know why it hurts so bad a lot of the times? Because we're family. It says, right, how can you say you love God, but you can't love your brother? It said brother. The scripture said brother. It didn't say somebody out there in the world. It said brother who you can see because it's a brother in the Lord or a sister in the Lord. There's somebody that you have a relationship with that you're close to and they hurt you. And so our instinct is to <gasps> put that wall up. I don't want to get hurt again. But if we want to be made whole, we've got to be willing, willing, willing to trust Trust God that he's taking care of them as he's taking care of you. Trust the Lord. And that way, we can be beautifully broken. I've been reading a book, and it's called The Broken Way. And it, it, it is talking about how the church needs to be beautifully broken. We are, Jesus was broken for us. 
And one of the illustrations in that book, and I'm sorry we're off, but I feel like we need to, I need to say it. It said, this lady was so broken, and um, the, her caretaker is a farmer, and he said, this entire land cries, is crying just the way that you're crying, is hurting the way that you're hurting, because the seed has to be broken the ground first has to be broken in order for you to put the seed in. Then the seed has to break open to give way to fruit. Then that wheat, that kernel, right, needs to be beaten, broken again to be made into flour, to be made into bread. And then that bread, in order for it to be fed to you, it needs to be broken again. We need to be beautifully broken, beautifully broken, so that we can be able to minister to each other. Beautifully broken. Amen. Let's continue on. Let's not be ignorant. It will take some time to restore all that you lost, but he can redeem that time and shorten it if we allow him, if we allow him. So let's talk about the rebuilding, rebuilding the altar. Ezra chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. Then stood up Jeshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and his brethren, and builded the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon. And it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And they set the altar upon his basis, for fear was upon them because of the people of those countries, and they offered burnt offerings thereon unto the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. So here we see Ezra, Jeshua, and Zerubbabel. Then they are scared. They are scared to build the altar unto the Lord because the enemy surrounded them. And they didn't know what they were going to do. I mean, it's taken how long to build this temple? 20 years. Opposition left and right. They're scared, but the word of God says that they did it anyway. Scared or not, they did it anyway. And as children of the Most High, we cannot live in fear. We must live in victory. There may be times that we're afraid, but just like God told Moses and Joshua, what did he say to them? He reminded them, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Joshua 1, 7. Even when we are afraid, we need to be strong and very courageous and do what is what God has asked us to do. Rebuild anyway. Build that altar. Sacrifice unto the Lord. Doesn't matter who's watching, doesn't matter who's saying what, what kind of opposition is coming against you, you continue to serve the Lord no matter what comes your way. Brother Brown. Just a quick comment that courage is is not the absence of fear. But rather, it's doing what needs to be done anyway in the face of fear. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. The enemy may try to intimidate us, but we have nothing to fear because God is for us and he is with us. In Ezra 3, 11 through 13, And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord, because he is good, for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers, who were ancient men, that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice, and many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard afar off. So the priests, the Levites, and the leaders knew what they had before the original temple was destroyed. They experienced the loss of something they did not treasure when they had it. When they rebuilt the temple of the Lord, it was not what they had before. To them, it was inferior to what it used to be, so they wept at the sight of the temple's foundation. Have you ever experienced the loss of something wonderful in your life, but you didn't realize it was great until you lost it? Maybe you did know what you had, but you didn't treasure it because you took it for granted. And here we have entitlement and complacency creeping up again. Remember we mentioned that the last time? They get out of the desert. They come into the promised land. Well, we can put up with a lot because we're no longer in the desert. We're in the promised land. This is what the Lord gave us. We don't have to do everything that he's asking us to do. And then you have the prophets who kept on saying, get right, get right, or it's going to be taken away from you. But then the false prophets said, don't listen to them. We're okay. We're in safety. Because many lived to see, to have the beauty of the temple of God, of being able to go in, to worship, to sacrifice, to go before the Lord. They had him. They had the presence of God. They, they were free from enemies. And they took it for granted. Complacency and entitlement. Entitlement and complacency are the enemies of the miraculous in your life. I'll say it again. Entitlement and complacency are the enemies of the miraculous in your life. These are two things that need to be torn down instead of built up. They need to be torn down. We want to rebuild hope and joy in our lives as we build our altars and temples unto the Lord. But we want to tear down and keep out entitlement and complacency. Entitlement and complacency will make the miraculous look like an everyday occurrence. You get so familiar with it, you don't even know it's there. 
complacency. We need to be glad when we come into the house of the Lord. We need to enter with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. We need to be thankful unto him and bless his name. We come here so often that we take it for granted that we have a house of worship, that this is God's house. This is his temple. And the moment that I walk through those doors, there should be praise and thanksgiving in my lips. And I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. I have been guilty of it. You know, I, I have four children, responsibilities, and come in through the door, and it's easy. It's easy to say, I've got this to do, that to do. This needs to get done, you know, help with projection or sound system, or I need to print things, and I need to get this ready, whatever the case may be, plus taking care of the kids. Next thing you know, church service is starting, and I haven't even said, thank you, Jesus. I haven't even said, oh, I'm, oh Jesus, did I, did I pray? Did I forget to pray? And then I go up to pray saying, and I'm expecting entitlement, expecting the presence of God to just flow. But did I thank him? Did I worship him? What did I do before I got to church service? Was my mind on Jesus? Did I spend time with Jesus before I came into the church? Entitlement and complacency. I want to feel the presence of God without having to do anything. Entitlement and complacency. Sister Angie. I just want to second that. I think like right now is a time where we should be running through the church doors, especially with everything that's going on around the world. We don't know when our doors are going to close. Right now should be the time that we're running through those doors with thanksgiving and praise. Amen. Amen. Jesus. You know, does anybody remember how it was when this, when we were closed? It makes me want to cry. Not being able to see your faces. Not being able to worship with my brothers and sisters. Not being able to lift up holy hands here because I had to do it at home. I had to watch through a screen. And we're taking it for granted. And we're making every kind of excuse we can. This is not the time to make excuses. Run to the altar. I mean, and I know I'm right now I'm in a soapbox. But you know the sad side it is every Sunday that these altars are empty. I don't have to come to this altar. I want to come to this altar. I want to say thank you, Jesus. You know, I come to the altar not just because I need forgiveness, but because I want to thank the Lord. because I want to worship him, because I want to give him thanks. I get it. Corona is here. It's not going anywhere. But I also have to put my faith in God, and he's going to keep me. Jesus was here first, and he's going to be here when all of this is gone. And the thing is that our attitudes need to be right with God. We can't put corona before God. You know what? My heart is not right. I need to go to the altar. You're afraid of getting sick? Make your own altar. 
but pray. Seek after God. Literally, kneel down if you have to, whatever it is you have to do. It's hard, people. I want to see each and every one of us saved. That's my prayer. I don't want to see any of you lost. We are in the end times right now. The, the, the love of many is waxing cold. Waxing cold. We're, we're letting offenses come in. And we're waxing cold. Wax. Cold. A candle. Let, the light is not even on. It's waxed over. We've got to keep that light shining. We've got to keep it shining. You know, uh, about... <sighs> Jesus. Oh, Jesus. About six or seven months ago, I came to church. And I felt this urgency in my spirit. And I started praying. And I started praying, and it wasn't going away. And I felt compelled to go and pray over the doors and in the hallway. And it just kept on growing. And just intercession. I just went into intercession. And I'm walking around the church building. This is on a Sunday morning before church service. And... There were people sitting down talking, and, you know, we talk because we want to greet each other, right? We want to love on each other, no problem. But at, in my mind that Sunday, I looked and I said, really, they're talking, they're not praying, they should be interceding, they should be praying. And immediately the Lord convicted me. He just, he just said, Marie, they only do what they see. They only do what they, you know, they only follow what they see. And I'm going, what? oh, Jesus, immediately I felt the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Because I had, like I mentioned before, it's so easy to fall into the pattern of coming in, not saying thank you, Jesus, not worshiping the Lord, just I've got to do, I've got to get things done. I've got to take care of the kids, and I'm not uttering a worship or praise or nothing. And the Lord just scolded me and said, Marie, they're only doing what they have seen you do. And I immediately said, I'm so sorry, Jesus. I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I didn't mean to say that or do that. And then as I said that, he started showing me people shriveling up. Shriveling up. And he said, prophesy to the bones. They were dying, people in our church dying because of lack of prayer. And I started prophesying, said, no, Lord, we are not going to die. I speak life. Put those bones, those marrows, those joints, whatever it is, put them back together, Jesus, the flesh. We cannot afford to be a prayerless church. We cannot afford to be a prayerless church. He wants us to be built up. He wants us to be built up together. He wants us to be a praying church. This is not my church. 
This is not my house. It is God's house, his sanctuary. Oh, Jesus. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord God. Lord, live, Jesus. We speak right now, dear Jesus, to the dry bones, oh God. In our own lives, dear God, you see our hearts, Lord. You see the sick, the secret sins, Lord, our secret faults. Oh God, none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect, Jesus, by any means. You showed me this about me before, you know, convicting me about anything else to pray for anyone else, Lord. So deal with me today, oh God. Deal with me today. Deal with us individually, dear Jesus. We come before you, oh God. Oh, this is your house, Lord. Help us not to be complacent. Help us not to be entitled, dear God, to your presence. Help us not to take for granted the, beautif the beautiful things that you have given us, your grace, your mercy. We, we don't know how long we have here on this earth, dear Jesus. Life is but a vapor. Help us know, to know the gravity of our days here on this earth. Help us, Lord so that we may be able to do what you are wanting us to do. Help us to live righteously before you, to rebuild our lives together, dear Jesus, in mercy, grace, hope, and joy, O oh Lord. We need you today. We need you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. He wants the bones to live. And you know, that's been my prayer. It's been my prayer for the past six or seven months since he showed me that. I've been praying that over the church as I've been walking. Just praying for the bones to live. Lord, our church, we need intercessors, oh God. Wake them up, Lord. Raise them up again, your Jesus. Raise us up, oh God. We need to pray. There's so many that are lost. You are coming so soon. Help us to live again, dear Jesus. Help us to live again. We need to rebuild our altars. And the fire of the Holy Ghost needs to be burning in our altars. At home. In our families. Light a fire under your kids. Whatever you have to do, live for Jesus. You may not have as much time as I had because the time is short. Keep that fire burning. Teach them. Teach them to treasure what they have, not to become complacent. Hey, you're growing up here in the church, but you need to treasure it. Other people don't have what you have. And they need to see the hope in you so that they can have it as well. Sister Trudy, did you, you want to get on the mic if, that, if that's okay with you? Question in the past thread about um, renewing our altars and stuff. Yes. Um, that is so true because 
I could personally say my confession is I have always been like a person, like a fashionable person and stuff. So I used to be on like Facebook, Instagram all the time. It's so addictive. And even sometimes if I'm reading my Bible, I would like pause for a second and then take a little break and then I tap on Facebook, tap on Instagram. <laughs> and then like a week ago, I was sitting at my job, you know, reading my Bible and like something said to me, you know what your problem is? You are uh, like a lukewarm Christian. And I call myself that mm -hmm. because you know why? It's not a matter of like you're worshiping another God or anything, but I call myself that because I could confess and say 75% of me loves the Lord and wants to serve him diligently. Then the other 25 with social network, you're scrolling, you're tapping, you're getting distracted, you're on the feeds, you're watching celebrities, you're watching the things in the world. And I broke down and I went in my client's bathroom and I cried the whole time and I asked for forgiveness and I said, God, I don't wanna be a lukewarm Christian because I'm so sorry what I, how I treated you, you know? Because all this time, like, I'm serving you, but then a part of me, I'm always posting, I'm always on Facebook and Instagram. And then a spirit just came over me and I just told my son to deactivate them permanently. And when I did that, it's like, I felt such a relief. Mm. I felt such a relief came yes. off of me, like a spirit just left from me. Like, I don't even care anymore about it. Yeah. I don't even Thank bother to look, I don't think about it anymore. It's like he delivered me that day. And I was so happy because people generally think when he says lukewarm Christian, he's talking about like, okay, you're worshiping idols alone. Mm -hmm. That's not only idols. Right. It's you serving him also. Right. Because you're not 100% serving him. You're not 100% into him. And right. I discovered that the other day. And I also did something I never did. I always fast during the week, like even when I'm at my job. Mm -hmm. I take my Bible and I fast there like from 7 to 3 because that's my shift. And I'll do that sometimes. But then the other day, I just had this epiphany came over me and I said, you know what? I'm not even going to do a fast like from 7 to 3 or stuff. I'm going to do 24 hours. Mm. I ended up doing three days. Girl. <laughs> yes, not even water oh. because I'm the type of person I, I don't even drink water mm -hmm. and I locked myself in my closet at my house. I basically like ignored the kids, my <laughs> husband, everybody. I just locked myself in there <laughs> when I came from work and even at work, I will talk to my clients but then I'm like back in my Bible. I fasted for three whole days and I prayed and said, God, please let me do this fast for three mm. whole days without even water and he helped me and I did it three whole days and then I finished I felt so rejuvenated and I'm talking like it's not even a 12 hour I'm talking three whole days 36 right. hours without even water and I'm like look what I could accomplish if I give up the things that are not of Christ and imagine how much powerful we could become right 
if we fasted more, sacrificed more, he would use most of us more to prophesy, to touch somebody, and they heal, to raise even the dead like he used to do with the prophets back in the biblical days. Right. But the thing is, he sees that we're so distracted with the things of the world. Right. And I said to myself, you know what? The devil put these apps there to distract especially God's people, mm. to draw us away from him. And I just thanked him that day, and I went on my knees in my child's bathroom, and I cried so much. And I told him I was so sorry I would never be a lukewarm Christian again because Jesus. now I'm just going to serve you diligently. Right. No more of these things of the world like the apps or anything. Yeah. And I've been so comfortable ever since I gave thank them up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know what I mean? Yes, so I that's do. my confession Amen. that I would like to make. So And I rebuilt my altar yes. in the sense that I am more intertwined with God. Right. Yes. Right. And he enabled me to fast for three whole days. And I even when I finished that, I looked at it and I'm like, you know what? I think I could have done even a week. And then I'm going to try <laughs> a whole week. Because I, I even learned something that the reason why Moses was in Mount Sinai for 40 days and Jesus himself fasted for 40 days, you mm -hmm. know why? Because your physical body, this is a known fact, could go without food for 40 days. That's how long the human body mm -hmm. could survive without food. Right. Before starvation right. you know, starts and all that sickness. But that's how long we could go without food for 40 days. Right. And... I just look at it like, you know, I'm going to try for a week next because God, he strengthened me and he heard me and he let me do that fast for three whole days, 24 hours. And I thank him so much and he knew I meant it. I just now want to serve him diligently without any distractions of the world because the devil put these things in place yes. to get us to just lose our mind from God, mm -hmm. the TV, the stereo. You know, with the kids, it's a tablet, it's a cartoon. Right. You know, and even when I'm not home, I'll call and say, did Genesis and Britain say they prayer? Let them get up and go say, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Been there. Yeah, so that's my confession. Do that. And yeah, and I thank God for what he Amen. did for me. Amen. Me. Let's thank, thank the you. Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. And, you know, Sister Trudy, he sees your heart because you want to draw closer to him. And that's what it's all about. You know, him using us to prophesy, to heal, to it's all him. And those are, let's just say, bonus. Because our goal is to get closer to him. It's to be in communion and relationship with him. And you're doing that. And that looks different for everyone. And so you need to figure out what God is asking you to do and then do it. And then do it. And so we're, we're going to keep an eye on you just to make sure that you take things easy, too. <laughs> we don't want to see you passed out somewhere. What happened to Sister Judy a whole week? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, we can do it carefully, obviously, but we can do it. And, you know, he, he honored you for doing that. And how wonderful of, of your husband and your kids to understand that as well. And, you know, we, we need to just 
press, to have a relationship with God, whatever it is. And though, and I don't, I'll say it because I've shared it with some people already. When I was, as all of you know, my mom is very sick. She's dealing with cancer. It's been five years that she's been dealing with cancer. And when I was there back in, um, in September visiting with her, she was ill. She was throwing up and a whole day, nonstop. And in the one moment she stopped, she looks at me and she says, Fran, the Bible says that the Lord will spew those out that are lukewarm. He will throw up. In Spanish, it says throw up. Those that are lukewarm. And she looked at me, and she's frail right now. And she said, it takes every ounce of energy in my body to throw up. It hurts. I can't imagine the pain that God is going through when he throws up those that are lukewarm. I'm thinking, how can she think of that at a moment like that, you know? But she's thinking, I better be right with God. I need to be right with God. I cannot afford to be lukewarm. I have to be on point with my relationship with God. I need to be right with my brothers and sisters. I need to make it. I need to be with Jesus. And let's close here. The old generation was disappointed with what they saw because the new temple couldn't compare to the previous one. While the new generation was grateful for the opportunity to build a temple unto the Lord, there were mixed emotions in the crowd that day. While we mourn the loss of what was, we must treasure what we have and what God restored unto us. As a matter of fact, we cannot dwell in the past. The past is not going to rebuild what you lost. We must not make the same mistakes of the past, but remember the good. And we cannot forget what happened, but we must look to our future in Jesus Christ. Haggai 2.9 says, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. What God has for us is so much greater than what we had in the past. And that's what we have to see. Why? Why is it greater than what we had in the past? Because we value it now. We didn't value it then, but we value it now. So that's why it's greater. Lord, I'm going to value what you rebuilt in my life. And even though it may take some time to rebuild it, and it is taking time to rebuild some of the things that I've lost, I'm treasuring it. This house is greater than the former. It's greater than the former. It may not be physically greater, but it's spiritually greater. It's more significant. Hmm. Part of rebuilding what we lost is making sure we connect ourselves to the body of Christ. 
it's being accountable. Thank you, Sister Trudy. Thank you for, for stepping up and being the first one. I'm not saying we're going to all come up here and start, you know, having a confession <laughs> or anything like that. I'm not making light of either what you said. I am validating what you did. We can go privately to somebody that we trust and be vulnerable. But if we are part of the body of Christ, then that blood needs to flow through us. The blood of Jesus needs to flow through us. And as I was in devotion on, and I know I'm past my time, but I'm coming to a close here. Now I really sound like a preacher, right? <laughs> Brother Tryon. <laughs> Um, as I was in devotion um, in prayer on Monday, the Lord just kept on bringing it to my mind. When we're washed in the blood of Jesus, we take on his name. When we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, we take on his nature. We take on his blood, right? His blood on ba in baptism. So his blood changes us. It's not flowing through our veins. It changes our nature. Therefore, we are connected to the body of Christ by blood and by birth. We are in this together. We must come alive in Jesus Christ. We cannot allow ourselves, us, to quench the spirit of God by not wanting to connect ourselves to the body, for not rebuilding. We must be fitly joined together and let the blood of Jesus flow through us. We must rebuild that temple within us. Amen. Our inner man cannot be complacent. We cannot afford to be complacent anymore or to be entitled to this. We have to put effort, otherwise we're going to catch gangrene, cutting ourselves off the body. Not good. Let's all stand. Yes. Considering I forgot to do the announcements earlier, um, I, I'll do it now <laughs> as we close. And that's my confession right now is that I... Completely forgot to do the announcements. Um, so don't forget we do have the Spanish service tomorrow night at 7.30. Um, and then uh, Saturday morning, uh, ADM men's and ladies prayer. Also Sunday we have a special service. Brother Garnett Martin's going to be with us. I did confirm with him today. And um, we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a tremendous, tremendous time. Invite somebody to, to uh, join us. Um, and uh, I believe God's going to fill some people with the Holy Ghost. And God's going to do a great work. Um, also, don't forget our uh, Thanksgiving Fellowship on Tuesday. Um, again, uh, there's a sign-up sheet out there. You can still sign up for stuff if you want to bring it and you just want to come and join us. We're going to have a great time of fellowship. There will be no Wednesday service next week because of Thanksgiving, uh, but we're going to meet again on Tuesday, and we're going to have a fellowship. Also, um, Sister Ellen is saying that um, if there are any men that could help out um, at Food Share this coming Monday, the 23rd, I believe it is, um, if uh, you can help out there at Food Share, we, they need some folks to help direct traffic and stuff. They're handing out a bunch of turkeys uh, to families and stuff. It's going to be a, a lot. And so uh, if there's any guys that are off on Monday and are free to do that, and you can go over to, uh, you can see Sister Ellen about that um, and, and help out with that. Again, my apologies for not doing it earlier. 